Welcome to Plant-Based DFW with Dr. Riz and Maya. Hi everyone, so I'm throwing in another episode for you. This is by Mita Shah Bhagat, a workshop that she recently taught titled Staying Positive Through the Holidays. And I thought it would be nice to put it in the podcast for you to sort of reflect on and participate if you choose to do so. Mita is actually a coach at heart. She recognizes that there is no cookie cutter approach to transformation. Each day she helps clients design and live healthy lives. Her custom tailored approach is the key to follow through. Over the past 15 years, Mita has worked in many areas of health management, from health coaching to clinical research at hospitals and universities, conducting corporate seminars and developing health promotion programs. She holds a master's in human and clinical nutrition, master's in behavioral nutrition and physical activity, certification in sports nutrition and tobacco cessation, and is a certified coach with National Board and American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Let's listen to this workshop. Good afternoon, everybody. I am Mita, and uh, we're going to talk about staying positive through the holidays. Anybody having jitters already with the holiday season? Okay. What are some things that you're stressed about? Okay. All right. Um, Yeah, and those are real stressors. But here's what we are going to do. We are going to learn how to manage those stressors with an exercise we begin with, okay? Look at this picture and identify how many red things you see on this picture. Count the number of red objects or how many times red occurs on these pictures. Count the number for me. So we have 14 of those. We have range from 3 to 14. Now, how many blues were on there? The point that I'm trying to make over here is when we are focused on that red, we do not see the browns, we do not see the blues, we do not see the green. The pictures are the same in front of us. Our reality is what we choose to focus on, right? And that's exactly, are we looking at the negative things that need to be changed in the current moment? Or are we looking for the positives and how we can build on that? And that's what we are going to focus on. And it's a lot of information that I'm going to share today is based on the topic of positive psychology We're going to talk about five pillars of positive psychology. The first one is positive emotions, uh, engagement, relationships, meaning, and achievement. Now, how did positive psychology become popular? In 1970s, Dr. Martin Seligman was the president of American Psychological Association, and he said, that all this time we are studying about mental illnesses and how to fix those. What about those who are really successful? What are they doing differently? What if a normal person wants to live more happily? How do we get them there? And that's how that became an important area of study. We also found out that people who are happier have longer to live. They are also less sick. And so there were interests 
uh, interest groups who wanted to fund such studies, and that became quite, um, quite a few studies were done after. So let's start with positive emotions. What are the num thoughts? We think about cheerfulness, happiness, partying, enjoyment. But there are some other aspects as well that are important. Being creative, being in awe, being surprised, those are all positive as well. Now, cheerfulness, not all of us are cheerful. There is some genetic aspect to it. But that doesn't mean that we cannot be happy, right? Um, I'm going to share a couple of studies with you, and I, I'm going to dig into a lot of studies over here just because I feel like they give validity to this information. In one of these studies, a sophomore class was taken a picture of, and that was sent into their, the picture was printed in the yearbook. Scientists at Berkeley University contacted these students 30 years ago, okay? And they reached out to them to find out how happy they are in their lives. Of statistical significance, they found that in women, there are two, for all of us, not just in women, but for all of us, there are two kinds of smiles. One smile is called the Duchenne smile, something we smile from our heart. And that is not something we can see by our lips. That's something we can see by the muscles under our eyes. Okay, and there's the second smile called the non-Duchenne smile, which is just a photograph smile. And among women who had a Duchenne smile, 30 years later, they were much happier in their lives. They were much, uh, if they were married, they were happily married, whereas the other group was not. And so that was uh, an astounding study. And this is not just one glimpse. There are quite a few studies that support that. Another remarkable study was done with the nuns. When they were um, getting started on their journey, they were asked to write an essay. Why are you joining? Why are you aspiring to become a nun? The nuns who had in their essay one positive word, something like, I'm eager to serve the Lord, were at 60 years later, they were more likely to be alive. 90% of those nuns were alive, whereas 52% of the other group that had not even a single positive word in their essay were alive. Okay. At the age of 94, 52% of those nuns that had a positive word were still alive, whereas only 20, sorry, 12% of the other group were alive. So there's a lot of it. If we have those positive emotions, we are more likely to be happy and live longer. Now on your paper, you will see your first question. What are the three things that you're thankful for today? And why do you think they happened to you? If you want to take a moment to write that down. Now my second question to you over there is, what do you look forward to tomorrow? All right, we will move on to the next one engagement. Now there are two positive emotions. One is pleasure, the second one is enjoyment. Anybody wants to try out what's the difference between the two? He said pleasure is short-lived, engagement can be long-lived. That's true. Pleasure is in some ways we are meeting our immediate bodily needs. 
It could be thirst, it could be hunger, it could be sleep. Enjoyment stretches us emotionally, creatively. Okay. We do want to have any act, be involved in any activity that engages us. It stretches our mind with our skills, with our creativity, and with our emotions. Now, it, there's some interesting inf research done around engagement um, where the activity needs to be challenging enough that it's out of your comfort zone. Otherwise, it's going to bore you. But if it is too challenging, it's going to cause you anxiety, which is what you don't want. So having that right mix is going to be helpful. Now, there was this interesting um, information that I came across with the Lego company. There was a time in the um, journey of the company when they were not making as much profits. And so they needed to figure out what's going on. They had created these blocks that the kids could put together. And they tried to make it simple, big enough so that the kids can put it together and say, wow, I'm, I made a giraffe, I made a car. But yet, they were not making profit. So Lego sent out people to the houses of the kids playing with Legos. And here's what they found out. The smaller the Lego bricks, the longer it took for the kids to put them together, the more sense of achievement that the kids have. That's when they switched their model to making things much smaller, more intricate, put together. Kids have a lot of sense of achievement. And look where they are today. So we all need to find out those activities that engage us to that point when the time is not a ma doesn't matter. You're just lost in that activity. And it could be dance. It could be painting. It could be your work, putting together a project, whatever works for you. But identifying one such activity that engages you completely in it. And so your next question on the questionnaire is, what is it that you found engaged you today or maybe in the last week? Let's look at the next one. And, and the reason I put up this slide is exactly to prove to the point that when we have the right challenge and the right skill set, we are in that flow state, that state where we are completely immersed in an activity. Relationships. Think of a happy moment in your life. What comes to your mind first? We always need others to celebrate with. And so in our Western culture, where each one is trying to pull their happiness boat to the shore alone, that's just not realistic. We need each other. We are ingrained to be with each other. To back this up, I'm going to share a couple of studies. One of it is. Dr. Printin, he studies psychology of popularity. And in his work, he found out that when we are alone, our pain receptors in our brain get activated. So if you think of it, when do you experience the most pain? Either when you're trying to go to bed, that's what I hear a lot, or when you're at work, when you're trying to focus and alone. But when you are engaged with others, those brain receptors are deactivated. One of the longest studies in the world uh, among adults, which is still on, is at Harvard Medical School. That is um, called the Grant Study. 
It was supposed to be a medical study, and they started in 1939 with the sophomores of the school. Okay? They've been studying them since then. It was supposed to be just a purely medical study, so they gathered blood work and all that information. But along with that, they interviewed them, not just the participants, but their family members. And they kept doing it every two years. So we have data since then. To this point, they started off with 268 participants. To this point, we have 60 of those participants still alive. They are in their 90s right now. And we still have the study going on. One of the major findings of this study was those people who have lived for so long, no matter what their blood parameters, no matter what their um, exercise levels, all those things that we consider are so important, what matters is how good relationships they have in their life. Okay, All that matters is how strong relationships you have. So men who were healthy and were, had, had happy marriages at the age of 50 years were still healthy at the age of 80 years. So that happiness in their married life at 50 predicted their long-term happiness. Isn't that astounding? Some other studies are done by Dr. Fredrickson. She is a big, um, she studies a lot of uh, medical research in related to relationships and um, positive psychology as well. Um, she found that relationships determine if your blood sugar levels are stabilized, if you have hypertension, um, inflammation, cancer, Alzheimer, incidences, all of these conditions can be reduced in their um, frequency or intensity if you have good relationships in your life. So my question to you now. Who are those people in your life that nurture you, that you connect with naturally, that bring that depth to your living? And my follow-up question to that is, how will you make sure that you stay in touch with them, spend quality time with them? How frequently do you want to make sure you connect with them, and how? Some humor here. Meaning is our next one. Why we are on Earth. Okay. Why are we here? I have asked my question this quite a bit. Where do we kind of, um, where do we find answer to that question? Many of us join religious groups, spiritual groups to find that answer. But honestly, you could find that answer in your work. It could be belonging, being employed with a bigger organization. It could be volunteering for a cause. It could be many other places that we can find that meaning to our life. The questions we need to ask is, what am I doing today that is going to be beneficial to others? And how my work, how those people are going to benefit others as a result of my work? Many of us in this um, culture today look for material goals and, and meaning in our life from based on material goals that we reach. But that's not always the case. Studies have found that, or not studies rather, it's, it's our own experiences, right? Once we are more fulfilled with uh, our needs, if we have enough, if we are fi financially secure enough, we are looking for that further meaning 
why am I doing what am I doing? What brings me to work every day? And so finding that meaning is important. Um, for those who haven't heard, a journalist named Dan Butner went around the world identifying five places that had the most centennials, the people who live for 100 years or longer. And these were not just alive. They were alive physically in the sense they were independent and mentally as well. They were contributing members to the society. And what did they do differently? And he identified nine qualities that were important among these people, one of which is having a higher purpose of meaning to your life. So it's important that we know what our, what our purpose in life is. And for that, there's that next question on your questionnaire. What brought meaning to your work today? Another question you might want to ask is, what did you learn that was helpful to you? The last one over here is accomplishment. Sense of achievement. Having a bigger target to achieve. Something that's more challenging than what you've done so far. And that sense of accomplishment does nourish us in a way that we are happier. Dr. Duckworth is a researcher um, who studies a lot of it in kids. And she found that kids who had a higher IQ, who were gifted, were not necessarily successful. The ones that were, were ones who had more grit, more perseverance, and more discipline. And so it does take these characteristics to achieve something in life. We all know that. But having a goal is equally important to work towards. There was one other study done with housekeepers. They did house cleaning. They were doing what they were doing. They were just told that the work that you do meets the physician, um, meets the recommendations for physical activity for you. That is around 150 minutes a week. But your work is enough to meet that activity. You know what they found in two weeks? That these people were not doing anything different, but they lost weight. They started eating healthier. Just knowing that what I'm doing is helpful, is meeting those requirements, made them accomplished enough that they started getting healthier. So we all need to know that we are successful. And more often than not, we are not giving ourselves credit for the hard work that we do. And so for that reason, you might want to ask yourself this last question over there. Um, what did I do that made me feel accomplished? And so now looking at all this information that you have learned, or, or rather not thought of earlier, but you have put together now in front of you, think about how you would like to celebrate your holidays this year, incorporating these things in your life. How would you get, include these in your life? I'd love to know. How did you incorporate those? And in the new year, I look forward to your messages. You've been listening to Dr. Riz and Maya with Plant-Based DFW. 